to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am so delighted that you are listening. I know that there are a lot of dog training podcasts, and I am really grateful that you have chosen to spend some time listening to what I have to say about dog training. Um, I will just preface really fast that if you hear some chewing in the background, that is because Waylon is eating a bone. I am also a dog mom as well as a podcast host, and sometimes there is a little bit of dog noise in the background, so I hope you can forgive me. So in today's episode, I want to talk about resource guarding, but before we jump into the topic of resource guarding, I wanted to just kind of give you all an update of what's been happening at A Good Feeling Dog Training. So um, for those of you who are new to the podcast, um, I own and run A Good Feeling Dog Training, which is based in Denver, Colorado, but these days a lot of our work is virtual. Um, I have another trainer that works for me. Her name is Steph Volkman. She's a beautiful human being and a fantastic trainer, and Steph and I just um, finished uh launching Reactive Redefined. Um, This is the eighth round of Reactive Redefined that we have done. If you're not familiar, Reactive Redefined is an online coaching program for reactive dogs and their guardians, and Steph and I love it so much. Um, If you've been a part of Reactive Redefined, you know how awesome it is. Um, But So that's been really fun, right, to be able to connect with a bunch of new reactive dog guardians and um, be a part of their journeys. My team and I, Steph and my wonderful assistant, um, Jordan and Zyla, we are working on making a course. It's going to be called Adventure Dog Academy. Um, If y'all follow me on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO, you already know that I am quite the outdoor enthusiast and I take Waylon, well, and Tiva when she was not 14 years old. Um, on so many adventures. So what we're going to do is we're just going to take all of the skills that have been essential to making adventures fun with our dogs, and we're going to put them into an online course. I'm so excited to share it with you all. If you are interested in learning more about Adventure Dog Academy, we will include a link in the show notes. Um, we're going to create a little free course for you before the full thing is ready. So if you would adventure with your dog and you could use some, tra- <laughs> some training support, we got you. Um, so a couple of weeks ago on Instagram, I posted a reel and it was a video of Waylon chewing on a deer leg that he had found. And there was a lot of disagreement in the comments, which (laughs) is always just so funny because the internet is such a strange place. You know, it's like I post these things and I don't think that anyone's going to have anything to say. And then before I know it, the comments have blown up with accusations about, how I'm a shitty dog owner and, you know, the like. So anyways, I posted this reel and it basically said, instead of micromanaging, I just let Waylon chew on the deer leg. And I think that some of the sentiment was missed, obviously, because there's a lot to misinterpret in a 15 second reel. So I wanted to kind of take the opportunity to share Waylon and I's journey with resource guarding and give you some advice, some insight into resource guarding. Um, But I do want to give a little bit of a caveat here that this episode cannot be a replacement for working with a professional trainer if your dog is in fact doing an intense level of resource guarding that is escalating to aggressive behavior, 
Okay. I love you all. I love creating this podcast. I love creating as much free content as I possibly can, but there is so much nuance and subtlety in resource guarding that you need the help of a professional. Okay. But we're going to talk about a lot of really good digestible stuff that I think will help you understand your dog's resource guarding a little bit better. Um, and give you just a few tips for if your dog is in a pretty intense resource guarder. So I want to define what I mean by resource guarding. So resource guarding refers to the animal, in this case your dog, being in possession of or perceived possession, uh, possession of something that they do not want to give up. Maybe they feel like you're going to take it from them. Maybe they have a history of things being taken from them. So resource guarding is really referring to an animal having possession of or perceiving possession of um, something. Sometimes it's an object, sometimes it's space, um, and them increasing in behavior, sometimes leading to aggressive behavior um, in order to maintain that possession or resource. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about resource guarding. Um, I know that there's lots of definitions for resource guarding, but I just wanted to be clear what I'm talking about here. Um, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions around resource guarding um, because at its core, resource guarding is a normal behavior that not only your dogs, but all animals, including humans, display. Um, I can give you an example of resource guarding <laughs> in my own behavior. Um, my husband is amazing and I love him so much, but he loves to share everyone's meals. And sometimes if I am really hungry, maybe I'm a little cranky and he tries to take something off of my plate, I can become quite combative and tell him not to do that. That is resource guarding. Okay. And that's normal, right? That's normal behavior for me. That's probably normal behavior for you in some circumstances. And it can also be normal behavior for our dog. So I want to kind of help you understand the spectrum of resource guarding that I would label as normal and kind of helping you understand, you know, the far spectrum of that, which is resource guarding that I think needs to be modified. Resource guarding serves a very intentional purpose for the animal or they wouldn't do it, right? And I think that we have to remind ourselves that if it really serves that much of a purpose for our animal and it's not putting them in danger, it's not putting us in danger, it may not need to be modified, okay? So I think that there's a big spectrum of resource guarding behavior that you probably observe in your own dogs and I don't think that all of that behavior needs to be modified. I think some of it can be managed or just let be. Um, but like I was saying before, if you have a dog who is resource guarding to the point where they're escalating to causing harm to whatever they perceive is going to take their resource, you need the help of a professional dog trainer. The great news is there's a ton of amazing trainers that can help you, myself and Stephanie included. Um, I did mention this on Instagram, but I want to mention it here for you all too. Steph and I both offer 45 minute virtual coaching sessions. Um, so if you have a resource guarder and you could use some advice, hey, head over to a goodfeelingdogtraining.com and Steph and I can definitely give you more specific advice. Okay. So um, the resource guarding can manifest in, in lots of different ways. So I want to talk about two specific ways that it manifests and kind of helping you understand like maybe to modify, not to modify, and how you could modify if you need to modify. So um, one way that resource guarding can present itself can be between dogs, right? Between dogs 
in your house, maybe between your dog and other dogs out in the world. Um, it can also translate to other animals. So I, over the years in my career, I've seen a lot of resource guarding, um, dogs resource guarding from cats um, and vice versa. So there's a lot of transi- uh, translations, transitions that we can see in resource guarding between animals. Um, I do want to say that like on the dog-dog front, there's a lot of what I label normal resource guarding that I would not modify. Okay, so I want to give you a couple of examples of that. So um, at our house, for those of you who don't know, I have a 14-year-old dog, Tiva, and uh, Waylon is five. So, and then Waylon is my little Amstaff and he's five. So I have a 14-year-old dog and a five-year-old dog. So when Waylon came to us as a teeny tiny little puppy, um, Tiva taught him a lot about the rules, um, <laughs> the dog rules of if I have something, it is mine and you can't have it unless I walk away from it. So something that I observe a lot when it comes to resource guarding, um, what I would label as normal resource guarding between dogs is that possession is kind of the rule. So when Tiva was raising Waylon, helping us raise Waylon, um, I let Waylon learn from her without intervening. So for example, um, I would give them both something to chew on, right? So a pretty high value resource. So like a frozen Kong, for example. And Waylon learned pretty quickly that if Tiva had a Kong and she was eating it, <laughs> he was not to go and take it from her. Tiva taught him that by resource guarding. So she was in possession of the frozen Kong and when he would approach, she would freeze. So she would stop chewing on the Kong and stare at him. It's a very subtle sign, but she was absolutely resource guarding and telling Waylon, this is mine, you cannot have it. Being a tiny wrinkly silly puppy, he kind of missed some of those initial cues and continued to approach. So from the freezing and the staring, she escalated to lip curls, um, which literally is what it sounds like. She'd raise her lip a little bit. Um, and again, wrinkly puppy Waylon kind of missed that. Um, so she escalated to raising her teeth, baring her teeth and growling. And he finally got the message. And I didn't do anything there except for observe and make sure that if Tiva needed my support, I could be there to move Waylon away. But what I really wanted to do is let Tiva teach him those dog communication skills and those rules, right, that the dog world has that obviously I'm not as adept at teaching because I'm not a dog. So I think that because a lot of you beautiful dog guardians are intimidated, right? Like I know it can feel a little intimidating to see your dog growling and baring teeth at the tiny little puppy, but I wanna encourage you to let that happen as long as your dog's not gonna escalate to like putting holes in your tiny little puppy. For those of you who don't already know, Tiva is one of the best communicators in the dog world that I have ever had the joy of, of observing. She has fantastic dog communication skills. And I knew that even if she escalated to charging or putting teeth on Wayland, she wasn't gonna cause physical harm. So that is a caveat there, right? So if your dog could potentially escalate to um, doing physical harm to another dog, obviously you need to have more management in place. But I think by and large, most dogs are pretty good about escalating resource guarding, but not getting to the point of causing physical harm. 
And I think we're all a little intimidated by like the growls and the teeth and all of that. So we're so quick to get in there and, and correct and yell. And I want to encourage you not to do that because then what you're doing is you're, you're, you're robbing your dog of an opportunity to learn a really valuable lesson that hopefully you don't have to manage or handhold down the line. So when it comes to resource guarding between dogs, like I said, if your your dog is on the spectrum of they can be aggressive, they can escalate to the point of harming other dogs, you don't have this luxury, okay? But I think majority of dogs are really good about resource guarding without physically harming another dog. And I think that doesn't need to be modified at all. Maybe there needs to be like a small level of management. I will say that when Waylon was in his adolescence, I think he was like 10 months old, um, I did do a little bit more formal management so that Tiva wasn't responsible for like full time <laughs> telling Waylon he couldn't have what she had. I'm not saying that we shouldn't use management, but I think especially when it comes to adult dogs and young puppies, let your adult dogs resource guard. <laughs> okay, please let them resource guard because your puppy needs to realize that there are rules, right? And when Tiva was in possession of the Kong, she would stare, she would hard stare, she would lift her lip, she would raise, bare her teeth, and Waylon got the message. But the second that Tiva walked away from the Kong, it was free game again. And those are rules that your dogs have to figure out between each other. Sometimes they need hand-holding, sometimes they need a little bit of management from us, but I think that if you're intervening and correcting the adult dog for resource guarding, you're doing a disservice to both your adult dog and your adolescent puppy young dog, wherever they fall on that spectrum, okay? So I want to talk a little bit about maybe some dog-dog interactions that are dangerous. So as many of you know, um, I've had a lot of blocky-headed dogs in and out of this house over the years. And we've had um, two males. So Sunny was my first Amstaff. And then we had Hilo, who's an American Pitbull Terrier. And those two male dogs lived together, but would physically harm each other over resources. Okay. And what we had to do was a lot of management and a lot of muscle training. So for those of you who have dogs who maybe have fought over resources, have caused physical harm to other dogs over resources, I just want you to know that you're not alone. I've lived it, I've done it, and I know that it's hard, but do yourself a favor and get the help of a qualified professional, which could be me or Steph if you need help, um, because that's something that I just, I cannot explore in depth in this episode because there's so much nuance and subtlety that I cannot risk it escalating because you misunderstand something in this podcast episode. Okay. So, um, I also want to talk a little bit about what resource could potentially be being guarded. Um, oftentimes it's high value resources and usually that pertains to food. So oftentimes it's the food bowl or the Kong or the bone or the bully stick, but it depends on the animal, right? Like what they perceive as a very high value resource in the environment that they feel like they need to guard. Um, I have seen resource guarding with toys. I have seen resource guarding with space. I have seen resource guarding with people. So there's a big spectrum of resources that can fall under guarding depending on your specific dog, okay? So it is not just about food items. It can be about, you know, toys or space or people. Um, and that is normal to an extent. So I wanna give you another example here. So Waylon will sometimes resource guard space 
And that is when there is a lot going on in the environment and he perceives that he's doing what he's supposed to be doing and another dog is like meandering around. So like this happens often at family gatherings. We are really spoiled that both my husband, um, my husband's family and my family have dogs and all the dogs get along really well for the most part. And, um, at Christmas, we were at brunch and Waylon was stationing, right? So when everyone eats, Waylon knows, like, I got to go to my spot and just lay there. And my mother-in-law recently got a new dog and she is younger and she was kind of meandering around and she meandered into Waylon's space and he gave her a very clear but firm bark and lunge. He did not hurt her. <laughs> it probably startled her a little bit. But I didn't do any correcting, right? Because Waylon perceived that that was his spot. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing and she wasn't following the rules. And he told her about it. So resource guarding can happen with space, but doesn't necessarily need to be modified. Um, and I think that if I didn't know Waylon so well, that's a behavior that could probably startle me. And I could be like, oh my God, what is he being aggressive about? So you know, I think that if your dog can be a little quote unquote snarky <laughs> in certain circumstances um, in an environment with another dog, it could be about resource guarding a space. Okay. So just some insight there. So when it comes to modifying resource guarding between other animals, what it really boils down to is helping the animal who is resource guarding to understand that when the other animal that they're guarding from approaches, that actually makes more stuff happen for them than the resource being taken away. So it seems really simple when you boil it down like that. Um, Jean Donaldson is a really famous dog trainer and she has a little book and it's called Mine, M-I-N-E. It is a wonderful resource if you are dealing with dogs who are resource guarding from each other and is escalating to physical harm to either of them. Um, but really we want to help the animal understand that you don't have to resource guard because the other animal approaching you actually makes more good stuff happen. Obviously I can't know for sure because I cannot read dogs' minds, but something that I observe a lot and big surprise, Waylon has taught me a lot about this is that the animal perceives that the thing that they are guarding is going to be taken from them. So they feel like they have to escalate in behavior and really helping them understand that no one's taken anything from you and in fact you're probably getting more stuff can be an extremely meaningful way to modify resource guarding behavior if it needs to be modified, okay? Another way that I see resource guarding is between dogs and their people. This is something that I have a lot of experience with because I have lived with a lot of resource guarders. Um, Hilo was an American Pitbull Terrier that we fostered many years ago that was a very, very intense resource guarder. He would escalate to the point of biting people pretty badly if they approached him when he had resources. I want to give you just a little bit of backstory on him so you can understand the why to the behavior. Um, Hilo was rescued at, I think he was like two-ish. Um, and he had lived on a chain his entire life. So he was purchased as an eight-week-old puppy, and the person who purchased him thought it was a reasonable thing to just attach him to a chain, which he basically never left. Um, there were reports that he was being bullied <laughs> by people, his person, by kids in the neighborhood, and he was not being properly cared for. So in his first two years of life, not only was he attached to a chain all of the time, but he also did not have free access to resources. 
He didn't have very good associations with people or with other animals, okay? So if you really want to fuck up a dog, if you really want to create a dog who is horribly aggressive, get it as an eight-week-old puppy, put it on a chain, and never take it off, yeah? So (laughs) can you tell I still have a little bit of resentment for Hilo's person who did that to him? But anyways, so that's why, right? Hilo came from a very shitty life. He had negative associations, and he didn't have free access to resources. So when he was finally rescued... He kind of bounced around. He was in a lot of boarding situations. And then when he finally came to us, we had to go a long way of undoing two years of really shitty experiences. And we used a lot of management and a lot of safety protocols. So if your dog will resource guard things from you to the point where they are willing to escalate to biting you, (laughs) do yourself a favor and just use strict management until you can get the help of a professional trainer. Okay, strict management being there are barriers, there's not things laying around that they could potentially guard. You're going to have to be really diligent about being proactive in your environment to prevent your dog from feeling like they need to escalate in resource guarding behavior. Um, I think that the dog people resource guarding can be particularly challenging because not only is the dog resource guarding from us, but I think it also speaks really strongly to the level of distrust that's happening between the dog and the human. Um, And y'all, I say this from humility because I have been there. Um, But I think that resource guarding between people and dogs is something that not only is dysfunctional on a daily basis living with the dog, but I think it also causes a lot of turmoil emotionally for the people because we feel a bit betrayed, right? The fact that we have stepped up to be the guardian for this animal and now they have the audacity to guard something from us. And I just want you to know that you're not alone. If you felt frustrated, like, fuck you, I buy everything from you, you can't guard that from me, that is normal human emotion. But I wanna hopefully give you some perspective here into the, the dog isn't trying to be a dick about it, right? The dog is just operating from negative experiences and distressed in a lot of, in a lot of ways. So, um, When it comes to dogs resource guarding from people, my first protocol is always how can we stop taking things from the dog and making it worse, okay? So you guys, I want to do just a little bit of a tangent here and and give you a little bit of backstory into Waylon and I's history with resource guarding because Waylon did not come to me as a resource guarder. I turned him into a resource guarder. Um, not my proudest moment, right? But I am human and I also make mistakes. So as a adolescent dog, Waylon got to do a lot of off-leash hiking. At the time, I was hiking a wonderful client's dog once a week. Um, so Waylon got to do a lot of off-leash hiking. On those off-leash hikes, <laughs> he was finding a lot of what we call treasures, usually dead animal parts. And I think that me as Waylon's guardian when he was less than a year old, I was I was not as patient as I thought I was. I was not as committed to being in a partnership with Waylon as much as I was trying to control him. And that it it kind of stings being honest with you all right right now, but that's who I was then, right? That was almost 4 years ago. Um, And that's kind of who I was. So Waylon was finding a lot of treasures, which I didn't have an appreciation for. And I did a lot of taking. 
right? So Waylon would find a treasure and bless his sweet goddamn heart. He would come and show me and he would be like, look what I found. And instead of taking the opportunity to be in that moment and, and understand how awesome it was for Waylon, instead of doing that, I decided to be an asshole. And I would yell at him and I would take it from him and I would put him back on the leash. So you can imagine that it didn't take too many repetitions for Waylon to learn that if he had a treasure, I was not a trusted ally. I, in fact, was the enemy because I would take the treasure away from him. And I think that this is a situation that a lot of us find ourselves in because of worry and fear, right? Waylon was young. He wasn't even a year old. I was like, dude, you can't be eating that. That's going to make you sick. And I think that, you know, while my intention was to keep him safe, I really missed the joy and the reinforcement Waylon was getting from the experience. And I turned him into a pretty intense resource guarder to the fact that, um, you know, it was probably when he was about a year old, he couldn't be off leash because if he found something, he would run from me and stay 50 yards away for as long as it took to consume that. And you can imagine (laughs) how difficult that is in real time to manage. So then he couldn't be off leash and that caused even more friction and tension in our relationship. And if, you know, on the off chance he was off leash and he did find something and I tried to take it from him, he would bolt. If I cornered him, he would try and bite. He never did bite me because I never pushed him to that point. But you can imagine the turmoil and the friction that created in our relationship. Okay, so if you are in that position right now, you have been taking things from your dog. You felt like you were keeping them safe, but you can really feel how it is not serving your relationship with your dog. I feel you. on such a deep level. I really, really do. So I want to give you just a little bit of a perspective on how Waylon and I have worked through that because he has come leaps and bounds since then. So what I did was one, I did a lot of meditating, literal meditating. I would sit, I would breathe, I would try to be in the moment. And then once I was in that place, I would do some exercises with Waylon where I would give him a medium value resource. So for Waylon, that was a stuffed Kong. And while he was eating this stuffed Kong, I would just periodically walk by and huck him a hunk of something really, really good. So if he was eating a Kong with ground beef, I would have something better. So typically that would be like cheese or some fish or some deer or something like that. So he would have possession of the Kong and I would just walk by and I would huck something good at him. Okay, that's all I did. I never dreamed of taking it from him. I didn't loiter too long. I didn't stare at him. All I did was help him understand that if you have something that you perceive as really good and I approach, I'm going to give you something good, something better maybe, but I'm not taking that Kong from you. And I will be honest, y'all, that took about a year of consistent practice and helping him understand that I'm not always going to take things from you. I had a lot of rebuilding to do after I had broken down so much trust between the two of us. Um, In that timeline, there were plenty of times where Waylon found treasures on hikes, um, typically deer legs. Waylon has an uncanny ability to find animal parts. I mean, (laughs) I guess I should just celebrate it at this point. 
But something that I did a lot of was letting Waylon's leash drag so I had a little bit more opportunity so he couldn't totally bolt from me so that if he did get something that was like really horribly dangerous, I had a glimmer of hope of getting it from him. And what I really worked on was a really consistent trade protocol. So he was on the long leash, maybe he found a deer leg, and instead of feeling like I had to get it from him right away, I did a lot of breathing and reminding myself that it is not the end of the world if Waylon chews on the deer leg for a little bit. And I think that this is something that is so hard for people to swallow because people want to keep their dog safe. And it's not that I don't want to keep my dog safe, but in my attempts to keep Waylon safe, I was making our relationship really dysfunctional. And that's not the relationship I want with my dogs. And I have a suspicion that because you're here listening to me right now, that's not the relationship you want with your dogs either. Um, when I posted the reel on Instagram, I got a comment from someone that saying that um, I was um, not micromanaging. I was putting my dog in really harm's way and I was a shitty person for doing it. And I think that it's really easy to judge people, but I wanted to help you guys understand the why, right? Like why I decided to let Waylon chew on deer legs is for the sake of our relationship and for the sake of that brings him a lot of joy, right? And, you know, there's no such thing as no risk, right? I want to keep Waylon safe. Of course I do. But I think that the risk of him getting some disease or a worm or something from the deer leg is worth it so that we can have a more functional relationship. So while I was working on some of the protocols I was doing at home, out in the world, when he would find a treasure, I gave him at least a minute to a couple of minutes to indulge in the treasure before I even attempted to trade or get him away from it. And I think that that's something that's really hard for people to swallow, but that is the truth in how we got to a point where now, if I need to ask Waylon to give up a treasure really quickly, he can. It's safe. He doesn't try and bite me. It doesn't compromise our relationship. But that took a lot of me taking a couple of steps back and realizing that constantly taking things from my dog was turning him into a resource garter and it was making us resent each other and that sucks and I didn't want that. So... With years and years of repetition and practice, um, we're at a point now where Waylon can indulge in a treasure and if I need him to leave it or drop it, he can. Um, Drop it and leave it are both really useful skills, but I don't think that those skills alone are going to modify resource guarding if it needs to be modified. Okay, so leave it basically means don't go for that thing and drop it means spit out the thing that you have. Both of those skills, there's tons of different ways to teach leave it and drop it using positive reinforcement. So I'm not going to tell you how to do those because I know you can find how to do those on your own. But I do want to just kind of throw that caveat in that leave it and drop it are not going to be the only things that are going to lead to successful, meaningful behavior change when it comes to intense resource guarding. There's just so much more at play than that. So Um, You know, kind of fast forward to now, Waylon is five and it is very rare that I'm just taking something from Waylon Um, because at this point he's really quite good about leave it if I need him to. Um, But I think that letting him indulge in those things really was the most meaningful thing for our progress. And, you know, 
these days, if he finds a deer leg, I don't even think about asking him to drop it or leave it because most of the times he'll indulge in it. And before I even have a chance to ask him to leave it, he's like checking in with me like, hey, you got any cookies? I left the thing. So, you know, that's a result that you can only get by prioritizing your relationship with your dog when you're dealing with resource guarding and not just the power struggle of they have to give things up when we ask them to. Right. And I think that, you know, this is a constant paradox that dog trainers, dog guardians find themselves in is feeling like, well, we need the animal or the dog to be able to do the thing when we ask them to. And, you know, something that I really had to dive deep into and, and learn more about with Waylon is that maybe I don't need him to. <laughs> right. Maybe I don't need him to give up that thing right now. Um, and I will also say that Waylon has never gotten sick from any of the treasures that he's found. Um, he's never gotten a, a disease. He's never had worms. So obviously that is just our anecdotal experience, but I would also like that to be done. <laughs> okay, so everyone, like I was saying, resource guarding is one of those things that I think that there's a lot of normal resource guarding that gets blown out of proportion that I do not think needs to be modified. The behavior serves a very explicit purpose for the animal and if we don't need to modify that why like don't spend time and energy modifying something that doesn't need to be to be modified so when it comes to dogs resource guarding from other dogs other animals I think that if it is not escalating to anyone getting harmed I really don't think that there's a ton of modification that needs to happen per se Again, this is an individual dog basis, an individual household basis. So if you have concerns, you're not sure, again, please seek the help of a professional trainer. Steph and I would be, an honored, be honored to be a part of that journey. If your dog is resource guarding to the extent where they are going to cause harm to the other animal, you obviously need help. But in the short term, management is your best protocol. Management being, if your dogs will fight over the food bowl, feed them separately. Make sure those food bowls are picked up when they are loose together, right? Just as simple as that. There's nothing wrong with managing an environment while you figure out how you can get the support that you need. When it comes to dogs resource guarding from people, I think a lot of that is caused by our human ego <laughs> and always wanting to control. And I think that... I don't think, I know it can be such a humbling experience <laughs> to move through some of your ego and need to get things from the dogs. And, you know, Waylon has been a fantastic teacher for me in that. And I've learned a lot and I've been able to not only improve my relationship and communication with Waylon, but I've also been able to share that gift with so many of my clients, which I'm just eternally grateful for. So everyone, those are my thoughts on resource guarding. Um, if you have any thoughts, comments, concerns, please feel free to send me a direct message over on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. If you have any more suggestions for a podcast topic idea, hey, we created a uh, suggestion box that you can access on our website, disorderlydogs.com. So if you would like me to talk about something that I have not already covered in the almost 200 episodes that I have released, let me know. I would be happy to explore your uh, topic and I will give you a shout out if I do that episode. Everyone, 
I love this podcast so dang much. Thank you so much for being with me. Um, have a wonderful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. All right, everybody. I know that CBD is a hot topic and rightfully so. There's a lot of misinformation surrounding CBD, but I tell you what, there's a lot of pretty amazing evidence for how amazing CBD can be for not only humans, but also for our pets. Uh, the ladies at Vet CS uh, were on the podcast recently. It was episode 148. Give it a listen. You will learn a lot. Um, but I use Vet CS products for me. I use Vet CS products for the dogs. And I tell you what, Tiva, as she ages, the CBD is just amazing for her arthritis. And Waylon greatly benefits from the CBD too. So if you've been considering CBD for you or for your pet, check out VetCS.com. And you can use code DisorderlyDogs for 10% off your first purchase. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.